You have healthy wings that are ready to fly, but are you willing to face the fear of falling in order to feel the thrill of soaring? Cato stood there speechless, trembling from the intimidating stare and tough questioning from this eagle. The eagle stood erect and looked down at Cato. No one said a word. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max, Liz, and Nigel. This podcast is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And I'm your narrator, Denny Brownlee. By the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you'll find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, epicorderofthe7.com. On today's episode, we'll bring you Chapter 14 from the audiobook The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key as our baby eagle Cato returns to America and the great outdoors, uh, though he still hasn't really learned to fly. And later, we'll ask Miss Jenny how she feels about the great outdoors. Uh, meanwhile, Monsieur, we have another huge dilemma here in the studio. Which actually came from the not-so-great outdoors. Oh, that'd be the exterminator again. He don't seem to be leaving, then. Talk about needing pest control. Right, Liz. I'm sorry. When I scheduled an exterminator, I was merely trying to get rid of the fleas and ticks for poor Max over here. Aye, but you also chased off Mosey in the process. Well, I didn't mean to. I forgot some people consider mice to be pests. Well, not our Nigel. Well, of course not. Uh, Have you heard from him? He is still in hiding and will not disclose his location. (coughs) We gotta answer the door, lad. I know, I know. Just go along with me and I'll, I'll, I'll try to get rid of him. Uh, yes, may I help you? Hey, how's it going there? I'm Fred Bugoff. Bugoff Exterminators. Got a call from this address. Uh, what seems to be your pest problem here, eh? Aside from the man standing at the door? Liz? Shh. Uh, sir, I'm afraid we jumped the gun a little bit on needing your services. <laughs> we, we just have a dog with a couple of fleas and ticks. Nonsense. If you've seen one flea... There's probably a hundred more just like it crawling around. Oh, what a lovely thought. And don't even get me started on ticks. I didn't even want to. Yeah, your ticks are far more than a pest, my friend. They're nothing short of a plague, an absolute menace to society. Uh, it's a good thing I got here when I did. For with me is my trusty sprayer filled with decades of research. Looks more like some kind of liquid. <laughs> Au contraire, mon ami. Please do not speak French. Uh, this liquid to which you commonly refer happens to be a tried and true formula to annihilate these pesky parasites until the only ticks to be found in this abode will be laying on their backside with their stiff little legs facing upward in a desperate cry of surrender. Again, what a lovely thought. You are welcome. Now, by the looks of this, uh, Humble, barely adequately maintained structure. Uh, no, see here, lad. My trained professional eye surmises that uh, your canine nemeses aren't your only issue with pests. Aye, I can see a big one with me untrained eye. Max, shh. Uh, sir? Fred Bugoff. Ah, uh, yes, Mr. Bugoff. Uh, we see no need for you to continue. We've got this all under control, sir. Of course you don't see it. Again, the untrained eye doesn't. But I'm seeing some telltale signs that you've got some rodent infestation as well. Oh, don't be silly. <laughs> as a cat, do you think I would allow such a thing? Eh, perhaps not. But how do you explain this shoebox over here? 
No! Uh, that's uh, my shoebox. Yeah, that's my shoebox. I guess I shouldn't have left it laying around. Oops, my bad. <laughs> uh-huh. The box says size nine and a half, but you, sir, are clearly a size ten. You can tell half a size just by looking. Trained professional eye. The uh, box has obviously been retrofitted with a standard issue number 7G mouse seal access hole, out of which various sundry remnants of mouse-friendly materials protrude. Yeah, your basic corrugated cardboard, a variety of string and yarn, along with the easily obtained pink fiberglass insulation. Now, combining these substances with small telltale pieces of candy wrapper... <laughs> chocolate, hmm? It is quite obvious that... Okay, Fred, you proved your point. Yes, we have a mouse. Monsieur, no! But I'm afraid he's gone into hiding. Aye, you'll not be finding the wee lad anywhere around here, then. Well, now, that sounds like the kind of challenge that makes my pest-killing job fill my heart with wonder. <sighs> we, uh, wonder about you, too, monsieur. I just need to retrieve a few things off the truck, and then I'll be back to rid you of your rodential infestation faster than you can say bug off. Bug, bug off! <laughs> monsieur Denny, what do we do? Well, right now we just get back to our story with young Cato, who's about to meet young Patrick Henry. Uh, meanwhile, Liz... You try to make radio contact with Nigel, and, and Max, uh, you stall Mr. Bug off as long as you can. Hi, lad. And uh, we'll continue our story. Chapter 14. Willing to Soar. A warm breeze enveloped Liz as she gently placed the black bag onto a moss-covered rock by the Tatapotomy Creek. There now, you are safe, Kato, she said as she opened the bag for the eagle to step out. Cato squinted against the bright sunlight and flapped his wings as he stepped onto the rock. He looked around to see the creek and the lush green canopy of trees overhead. He breathed in the fresh air of freedom and smiled. America! Thank you for rescuing me, Liz. Liz gazed at the clear waters of the rushing creek. Her tail whipped back and forth as she studied some fish. She tried to catch one that swam by, but missed. If only Albert were here... Uh, you must learn to catch fish on your own. She looked up at the eagle's nest high above them. You also must learn to fly. You are a little over two months old, so the time for flight is close, no? But normally, you would learn from up there. It's scary up there, Cato softly told Liz. I fell out of the nest while my parents were off hunting for food. I peeked too far over the edge and fell through the branches to the ground. Oh, c'est tragique. That must have been terrifying, Liz replied. Then the humans found you and carried you away, and have fed you ever since. I don't know how to fly or feed myself, Cato said with a dejected voice. But I'm hungry. I hope that eagle will teach you how to do these things, Liz replied, pointing up to the eagle's nest. When my friends arrive, we will know more. For now, I need you to trust me, Cato. I know a very kind human who will help you. I trust you, but the only humans I have known have been cruel to me, Cato replied, furrowing his brow. They made me an orphan when they carried me away. Patrick Henry is a young boy who loves nature, especially birds, Liz explained. We are on a mission from the Maker to help Patrick... So I know he will help you. Do not be afraid of him when he arrives. If you say so, Cato answered, staring up at the eagle's nest. 
He ruffled his feathers and turned his gaze back to the ground. Patrick Henry hopped over a fallen log and then jumped up on top of a boulder. He spread out his arms. Now we're back in my forest, Uncle Langloo. He cupped a hand over his mouth and called, What cheer, 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 pretty, 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 pretty. Langloo smiled and walked along the trail with Max following close behind. Nigel flew above on a pigeon. Does Mr. Cardinal ever answer you back? Patrick laughed and jumped down to join his uncle on the path. Sometimes, but I don't know if he's talking to me or not. We're almost to the open area of the creek. I'll show you the eagle's nest. Together they hiked along the path, brushing against the ferns that sprouted new green growth. Max looked up to see Nigel circling overhead. He smiled and thought, Moses had a better flight home on his pigeon instead of on that obnoxious crow. As they neared the creek opening, Patrick spotted Liz and the bird next to her, and he was filled with alarm. Uncle, it looks like a hawk is going after Liz. Wait a minute, Pat. Langloo put a hand out to stop his nephew from running. Before you rush into things, make sure you understand what is really going on. That's not a hawk. It's a young bald eagle. How do you know? Patrick asked, easing a bit to see Liz sitting comfortably with her tail curled around her legs next to the bird. Young bald eagles are brown, with white mottled coloring in their feathers, so they look like hawks at this age. They don't get their white head and tail feathers until they're about four or five years old, Langloo explained. Golden eagles have a yellow band behind their necks. This young fella doesn't. He's got the right head shape and yellow talons. His beak is black now, but it will turn yellow as he grows. <laughs> Looks like he might have fallen out of his nest. Patrick's eyes widened, and he followed his uncle, cautiously walking toward the bird so as not to scare it. He must have fallen out of my eagle's nest. Can't his parents come get him and carry him back to the nest? No, eagles could only carry about half their own body weight, Langloo shook his head, squatting down a few feet away from the bird. You see, Pat, baby eagles gain weight and get big in a few short weeks. Then the nest starts getting crowded, so the mother eagle starts to stir the nest. She'll take some of the sticks and move them so they point in toward the eaglets instead of out. It starts to get uncomfortable for the babies in there. But this is a part of the process of encouraging the young eagles to leave the nest. She'll hover over them, flapping her wings to show them how it's done. And pretty soon, the young eagles start trying to flap their wings on their own. When it's time, the mother will push the young eagles to try to fly and they may fall far before they get the hang of it. The parents will fly with the young ones and might be able to swoop under them for a moment, but ultimately it's up to the young eagles to figure it out. Langloo pointed to Cato. This eagle's going to have to make it from the ground and learn how to fly by himself. This won't be easy. Won't animals come after him? Patrick asked, holding his arm around Max, who came to sit next to him. Eagles don't have natural enemies except for man, Langloo explained. An occasional raccoon or horned owl might bother eaglets in the nest, but eagles are at the top of the food chain and are generally left alone by the animal kingdom. But being on the ground like this, a big cat could get to him if it wanted to tangle with those talons. A Max could scare a big cat away, or I could shoot it with my gun, Patrick offered determinedly. 
That's true, but you can't camp out here for two more weeks or so. Your mother would kill me, Langloo said with a chuckle. But you can check on him every day and help feed him some fish. All right, I can do that, Patrick said excitedly. He hurriedly grabbed his fishing pole and walked cautiously around the bird. He looked at Liz, who stayed where she was near Cato. Hi, Liz. Did you miss me? Who's your new friend here? Bonjour, Patrick. This is Cato, Liz meowed in reply. Cato, this is the boy I was telling you about. He is going to catch a fish for you. Cato kept a cautious gaze fixed on Patrick and hopped around on the rocks, nervously fluttering his wings. He watched as Patrick baited the hook and quickly had a fish on the line. Patrick grabbed the fish with one hand and pried the hook out of its mouth with the other. He squatted down and slowly tossed the fish over to the eagle. Here you go! The eagle looked at Patrick and then at the fish flopping around on the rocks. He then hopped over and grabbed the fish with his talons and tore into it. He's eating it! Patrick cheered. Langloo stood up and put his hands on his hips. Well, that's one problem solved. He's hungry, but looks like he's in good shape. And he's not injured. What do we do with him now? inquired Patrick. We have to leave him here and hope for the best, Pat, Langloo replied. If you can catch him some fish now and then, that will help. But he has to learn to do this on his own. Patrick looked up at the eagle's nest. If only I could speak eagle. Langloo pointed at the eagle devouring the fish. Looks like you already speak his food language anyway. <laughs> we best get going before dark sets in. You can check on your eagle tomorrow. Take care of him, Max, ordered Patrick as Max hopped back over the rocks to reach him. Patrick squatted down and mussed the fur on Max's head. You can protect him till I get back. Aye, Max barked. As Langloo and Patrick headed toward the house at Studley, Max walked over to sit with Liz. Nigel came in for a landing nearby and scurried over the rocks to join them. Bonjour, Max and Nigel. Welcome back, Liz said. She then whispered, I shall explain everything later, but Gilliman called me to London while you were away. He and I rescued this baby eagle that had been captured in Philadelphia and sent to the king's menagerie in London. Gilliman told me to bring him back here. He needs to learn how to be an eagle. I named him Cato. Good day, my dear, Nigel replied, kissing Liz's outstretched paw. He turned to address the eagle. Welcome, young Cato. You have been given a splendid name. I am Nigel. His face fell as he saw the sharp beak and talons of the young eagle. He stepped behind Liz. But please understand that I shall not be part of your diet. Liz giggled. <laughs> Cato, Nigel is part of our team on assignment for the maker, so please do try not to eat him. Cato nodded. All right, I won't. And Nigel, did you teach that pigeon how to fly? Nigel chuckled. <laughs> of course not, dear boy. That pigeon learned to fly on her own. I merely enlisted her for a ride, but I shall endeavor to help you in any way I can. And I'm Max, lad, the Scotty said, wagging his tail. I'll help keep you safe from any bad beasties while you're on the ground. 
Cato spread his wings and flapped them, showing his wingspan, impressive even at his young age. Thanks, Max. I know I'm supposed to fly, but can't. Alas, tis a dreadful thing to be grounded, Nigel consoled him. Max turned to Liz. So you went to London while we were away. Did you see me, Kate? Oui, and she sends her love, Liz answered. I saw Elle and Clary as well. I'm intrigued about your trip across the pond, although I am surprised you left without me, Nigel said. Liz wore a coy grin. When the mouse is away, the cat will play, no? <laughs> Touché, my pet, Nigel responded with a jolly chuckle. He walked over to observe Cato's wings. I say, you are growing into your feathers quite nicely. Nothing damaged, so you should have no trouble with liftoff. Nigel, could you fly up to the eagle's nest and inquire about his assistance? Liz asked, and then leaned in to whisper to the little mouse. You can tell him Cato is traumatized when he fell out of the nest. He's afraid to fly. Understood, Nigel whispered back. I shall make haste and go chat with our local eagle now. He flagged down his pigeon to pick him up. I told Mousy it were time to meet that eagle, Max said. We've got lots to share with you too, lass. Patrick learned all about eagles and Indians. The lad's got his heart set on earning an eagle feather by doing something brave. Liz observed Cato's helplessness on the ground. He may get that chance very soon. They're back! Jane exclaimed as Patrick and Langloo stepped inside the house. She rushed up to give her big brother a smothering hug. I missed you, Pat, but phew, you need a bath. <laughs> I guess I do, Patrick said with a laugh. I missed you too, little Jane. Anne, Sarah, Susanna, and Lucy surrounded him with hugs before holding their noses to tease him. He held his nose and said in a pinched tone, I missed all of you, too. There's our wilderness explorers, Sarah exclaimed, walking over to embrace them while she carried one-year-old Mary on her hip. I'm so glad to see you both. Did you have a good time, Pat? I sure did, Patrick roared. Just wait till I tell you everything I learned with Uncle Langloo. He's a natural out there, Langloo added. He leaned over to kiss Sarah on the cheek. Thanks for letting me take your boy into the wilderness, Sally. Sarah placed her hand on Patrick's back. Well, I'm just relieved you're both back safe and sound. Your father, John, and William are out inspecting the fields, but should be back soon. Mother, by the creek, there's a young bald eagle who fell out of the nest. He can't fly yet, so I caught him a fish, Patrick told her. I need to check on him first thing in the morning to make sure he's all right. He's not injured, so hopefully he'll be able to fly soon. Langloo took off his black hat and pulled his fingers through his thinning hair. He looks to be about two months old. Will he be able to fly? Sarah asked hopefully, bouncing Mary. That will be up to him, Langloo replied. Nigel could see an eagle sitting inside the massive nest mounted in the top of a pine tree. The nest was eight feet across and four feet deep, made with huge sticks and twigs carefully wedged together to support the one-ton nest. It appeared it had recently been used to raise some eaglets, as there were some downy hatchling feathers spread about. The eaglets were gone, and so was the mate, 
as eagles remain alone except during mating season. <laughs> I say, eagles are quite the handsome birds, but they always look so serious with those permanently furrowed brows, Nigel pointed out to the pigeon with a chuckle. Please do a flyby, and I shall announce our intentions, my dear. Sure thing, Nigel, the pigeon replied, circling above the nest while Nigel waved to the eagle, who watched the curious mouse riding atop a pigeon. Hello, Nigel called. May I have a word with you? I'm seeking some guidance for a young eagle who sadly fell from his nest and then fell victim to humans. He is afraid to fly and needs assistance. The bald eagle cocked his head and ruffled his feathers. Come. Right. Nigel leaned over and petted the pigeon. My dear, please put me down on that large branch sticking out from the nest, and then you may take your leave. I shall request transport from this fine fellow back to the creek. The pigeon did as requested, and Nigel walked along the branch toward the nest while the massive eagle stood to stretch, revealing his six-foot wingspan. The eagle towered over Nigel, wearing a stern expression. Oh dear, for a mouse, uh, this is rather like walking right into the lion's den. So... Big Al helped you get inside to see the play? Max asked. Liz was filling him in on her trip to London. Mosey's going to be jealous when he hears what you did in London, especially since he had to be out in the wilderness dealing with those crows. He's more of a city mouse, you know. Liz smiled and pointed to the sky. It looks like our city mouse has just upgraded to a first-class flight. A magnificent bald eagle soared high above them, circling the creek to inspect the scene below. He didn't flap his wings, but caught the warm thermal currents to coast through the air. His white tail feathers were spread out, and his yellow talons were tucked under his body. They could see Nigel sitting on the dark brown feathers of the eagle's back, waving as the eagle descended toward the creek. When the eagle neared the ground, he pulled back his wings and thrust his feet forward to break for landing. Nigel slid down the side of the eagle's long feathers and stood in front of him. That was the most exhilarating flight of my entire life. Brilliant, utterly stupendous, Nigel exclaimed. If I thought flying on pigeons took the biscuit, then flying on eagles must take the baguette. Nigel held out a paw to Max and Liz. These are my colleagues. Then he held out a paw to Cato. And this is Cato. The eagle ignored Max and Liz and slowly walked over to Cato, who was in awe of the handsome older bird. The eagle didn't say anything, but slowly walked around the eaglet, giving him a thorough examination. Finally, he leaned right into Cato's face with his sharp bill and piercing yellow eyes. Do you have what it takes to be an eagle? Cato looked nervously at Liz and then back at the eagle. I'm an orphan. "'But I hope I do!' "'You hope you do?' the eagle challenged. "'You need to decide if you're going to be an orphan or an eagle.' Cato furrowed his brow, puzzled. He didn't answer, but looked at the ground. "'Flap your wings!' the eagle instructed him. Cato furiously flapped his wings, but to no avail. "'I can't lift off! It, it's hard, and it's so high up there!' Of course it's hard, and of course it's high, but an eagle that doesn't use his wings has no purpose, the eagle said gruffly, touching Cato's wings with his own. 
You have healthy wings that are ready to fly. He leaned in closer to Cato's face. But are you willing to face the fear of falling in order to feel the thrill of soaring? Cato stood there speechless, trembling from the intimidating stare and tough questioning from this eagle. The eagle stood erect and looked down at Cato. No one said a word. The maker made you to fly, and you are ready. But until you trust him and choose to soar, I can't help you. He took off without another word and soared back into the sky. Wait! What do I need to do? Cato cried. He furiously flapped his wings, trying to lift off. He rose a bit, but then landed in the water. He swam to the bank and climbed out onto the rocks. He shook off his feathers and turned his gaze to watch the eagle catching thermals high above him. Max, Liz, and Nigel looked at one another, speechless. I explained the situation thoroughly to that eagle, yet he was so hard on the poor boy, Nigel fumed. Max growled, How dare he! I were an orphan too, and Gilliman helped me. Why won't that eagle help the lad? Liz studied the eagle as he flew higher and higher, screeching above them into the pink sky of the sunset. She then looked at Cato, who kept trying to flap his wings. I believe he just did exactly that. Well, Liz, you seem to be seeing something that Max and Nigel weren't. What was it? That the older eagle was a bit harsh with Cato, because so much was at stake. It is like with the military. The commanding officers don't ask a pretty please. <laughs> right. They just give orders and the men carry them out. Oui, because they are being trained for battle. And in the heat of the battle, when it is a life and death matter, there is no time for debate. Right, and, and failure is not an option. Like with Cato, being an eagle means the ability to soar. And failure to soar is not an option for an eagle. Right, well said, Liz. So, uh, were you able to reach Nigel? Uh, oui, monsieur. He is ready to do his news nuggets. Uh, uh, hold on. Uh, Einstein to Mighty Mouse. Einstein to Mighty Mouse. Uh, do you read me? Indeed, Liz. Just play the music. Greetings. Nigel P. Monaco reporting once again from an undisclosed location. We, the refugees seeking asylum from extermination, have hunkered down here waiting out what seems impending doom for all of us. Now, the ticks have become, well, really ticked. Uh, the spiders are using their web browsers to put a different spin on this whole thing. The bookworms are speed-reading to find answers. And the fleas are trying a more peaceful demonstration approach. Uh, let's listen in. All we are saying is give fleas a chance. The situation is grim, but not without help, and... Oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. Uh, oh, oh, this itching is driving me batty. Uh, Nigel, Liz here. Uh, why are you itching? Well, in truth, my pet, I decided to give fleas a chance, and this is how they're repaying me. Liz, please get me out of here. But I don't know where you are. I gave you a clue. Ah, with Nigel's News Nuggets, I'm Nigel P. Monaco. A clue? What clue did he give me? I don't know. He mentioned the spiders and fleas and ticks. Oh, my! And he said bookworms. Well, they weren't on the list. 
Precisely. I know where Nigel is. Liz! Announcer lad! I hope you figured something out. Mr. Bugoff is coming back in. Quick, monsieur. Go to the bookshelf. I uh, gotcha. Uh, Nigel, are you up there? Indeed. Quick, jump into my pocket. But now that's a bit of a leap. That's an order. Well, <laughs> I say aye, aye, sir. And, 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 and Geronimo! Now just keep quiet, Nigel. All right, folks, showtime. Let's rid this dump of its dumpiness. Ah, fine, Fred. Uh, take care of the fleas and ticks and spiders, okay? Because you'll never find the mouse. Oh, uh, won't I? Nope. I, uh, I, ugh, I don't, uh, uh, oh, this itching, ah! Why so fidgety, sir? Oh, nothing, I, I, I'm just, I'm just a fidgety guy. <laughs> I say, old chap, enough with the jostling... Uh-oh. Well, what have we here? Nothing. Uh, Mousy be our friend. We. Oui. His name is Nigel, and he's a deer. This is no deer. Wait, Nigel? I say, Fred? As I live and breathe, Nigel P. Monaco? Dear old Fred Bugoffovich. It's just Bugoff now. You two know each other? <laughs> you kidding? Why, this heroic rodent single-handedly led me inside enemy lines to the secret brain trust of the Great Lyth invasion of 07. Oh, how impressively disgusting. Or is it how disgustingly impressive? T'was my pleasure, indeed. And now, old chap, perhaps you could return the favor for me and my colleague and, and do away with these fleas? His dear fleas are chance. Well, you had your chance, you little turncoats. Say no more, Nigel. I got just a thing on the back of the truck. Here, come on, follow me. Yeah, I'm right behind you. Uh, well, Max, uh, you don't seem to be scratching anymore. Hi, lass. That Mr. Bogoff turned out to be a nice lad and give me a treatment that seems to be working great. Oh, born, Max. So you went outdoors to get rid of your indoor problem that you got from the outdoors. Uh, aye, uh, uh whatever you say, lass. But with all the buggy-wuggies out there... Maybe we ought to ask Miss Ginny how she feels about the great outdoors, eh? Oh, bien sûr. Uh, Miss Ginny, it is time for your corner, no? Well, hello, Max and Liz. What are you curious about today? Well, a lot of Patrick's time, and, well, pretty much all of Cato's time, <laughs> is spent in the great outdoors. Uh, so, Miss Ginny, we were wondering, when you were a wee lass, did you think that the outdoors be all that great? I love playing outside. I should have known. And in fact, one of the reasons that summer is my favorite season of the year is that I was outside all day long. I would head outdoors when the dew was still on the grass, and I ran around barefoot all day long. And this is probably one thing that I fell in love with about Patrick Henry was because I acted like him as a kid, and I grew up in Virginia, so I was stomping around the same Virginia soil. One of my earliest memories, in fact, my first memory of life, is I went on walkabout with my dog. I escaped from the house when my mom was teaching a piano lesson, and I was a toddler clad only in a diaper. <laughs> and I went outside with my dog, Tip, to go on an adventure. And I ended up standing in the middle of the road holding up traffic. And I remember seeing this car in front of me and not being afraid in the least, like, what are you going to do to me? <laughs> and my brother saw me and he came and he was standing on the edge of the road yelling for me to get out of the street. And I just sat there oblivious, like, I'm standing my ground. 
and my brother ran back inside, told my mother, and she looked outside and saw her toddler standing in the middle of the road, holding up traffic, clad only in a diaper, and realized that her dreams of being the mother of the year were over. So my adventures outside started early, and every summer, my parents would also uh, take us on a month-long adventure outside. We would live on our sailboat, and we would uh, sail up the Chesapeake Bay to Annapolis or down the waterway to the Keys. And so I was outside living and sleeping under the stars in the cockpit of a sailboat every summer. I loved going to summer camps. I always loved going for walks any time of the year. And of course, I love playing in the water. I love going to the beach. I love to go exploring in the wintertime. I adore going snowshoeing in the snow out in Colorado and seeing what adventures I can find. So there is this great big ginormous world of adventure waiting for you outside. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and play. <laughs> so Liz, I think it'd be fair to say that she, she loves, loves the outdoors. outdoors. <laughs> oh, merci, Miss Jenny. Well, today we'll close out our show outdoors. Hey, lads, what are you doing splashing around then? Well, Fred here had a marvellous idea. I say, pure genius, old chap. Yeah, well, much obliged there, Nige. Uh, what am I looking at, Monsieur Announcer, Monsieur Bogov, uh, Nige? Well, my pet, it seems old Freddy has found a way to combine the healing power of an immersive flea dip with the pleasures of a hot tub. Yeah, I call it Bogov's Big Dipper. Yeah, so relaxing, you almost wish you had fleas all the time. <laughs> almost. So come on in, the water's fine. And you quickly become accustomed to the chemical smell. Well, that's because I laced it with jasmine and lavender. Yeah, yeah so come on in, Max. Care for a dip? <laughs> no, thank you, lad. think we got all the dips we need. Well, how about you, Liz? Oh, c'est tragique. Wouldn't you know, I just finished grooming myself. Oh, what a pity. I hear you, lass. Uh, announcer, lad, uh, the show'll be over then. I'll say. <laughs> Fleas and ticks, a uh, uh, bye. He meant we need to wrap it up for today. Aye. Uh, next time, we'll see a determined little eagle struggling to find his wings. <laughs> It'll be inspiring. We oui, and, uh, um, fellas? I say, uh, uh, Marco! Eh, Prolo! Oh, never mind. Max just hit the canned closing. Aye, lass. Uh, see you next time. Indoors. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And remember, you can download your very own copy of the audiobook, The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, by visiting audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thank you for listening, and join us next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. Have a grandi! A bientôt, mes amis! Huzzah! And ta-ta! And always remember, you are loved and you are able.